0: Welcome to the Entre Pastors Podcast. This show helps pastors think, act, and thrive as prosperous entrepreneurs. And now, here are your hosts, Les Hughes and John Sanders. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Entre Pastors Podcast. My name is John Sanders, here with my friend Les Hughes. Les, what's going on, man?
1: Hey John, what's up? What's going on in your neck of the woods, man?
0: Man, I'm having a good day up here in South Dakota. How's life in Alabama today?
1: It's great. We're filling up the pool, making plans for uh, grandkids to invade for the summer. It's going to be good.
0: Filling up the pool. I just put our snow shovels away on Saturday. That's a (laughs) true statement, man. So happy for you filling up your pool. Oh
1: man, we've transitioned into full flip-flop mode, bro.
0: Whoa. Yeah, we're still in hoodies and sweatshirts up here. Not quite in flip-flop mode yet, so glad it's happening where you are, though, man. So, good stuff. Well, hey, guys. Today, Les and I are going to talk a little bit on a subject. We're, We're titling this episode, Keep Your Day Job, and... We want to just jump on a theme and just riff on this for a little bit. Actually, this flows out of a conversation we had at the time of this recording today, earlier today in our Entree Pastors Mastermind. We had a couple of really just straight gold comments come out of that uh, conversation today. But one of them was this theme that sometimes as entrepreneurs, we are tempted to jump ship really quick to something new or and that's, that's maybe not a bad thing to be a starter, to start things up, but what where it can become troublesome is when we put a lot of pressure on one thing to be our primary source of income. And and so we're going to challenge our listeners today, Les, to keep your day job. Now, again, for most of our audience, that's probably what their plan is anyway, because for most of them, their day job is pastoring. Um, so we're not necessarily saying that We're encouraging you to forever keep that day job. As a matter of fact, in our backstage conversation, we're going to actually talk to those who may say, John, I want to quit my day job. I want out of this thing called pastoring. We're we're going to say some things to you in the backstage portion of this episode, but let's jump into this. Les, Where do you want to start when we encourage our audience to keep their day job?
1: Well, I would say we can start by saying there's not a one size fits all and it's, there are a lot of different layers to this, but one of the things I think, I guess, John, to start off with a little bit of a warning and that is, you know, not all that glitters is gold. And um, sometimes with online marketing, let's just say that the person's not Telling all the facts. What? So, anytime someone implies that you ought to just take a leap of faith and, you know, the net will appear and, um, you know, you really need to create a sense of urgency in your life, like failure is not an option, you know, yada, yada, yada. Man, be real careful about that. Like, it's the same. The path for you may not be the path for everyone. And you know, it depends. A lot of it depends upon how you're wired. It, a lot of it depends upon what stage of life you're in, and and how many, it may may be a matter of whether your home is paid for, how much debt you have, whether you still have small children in the home. I mean, there's a there are a lot of thing, a lot of factors to consider when we consider whether we want to take a leap of faith or have a long off ramp.
0: Yeah. Well, sometimes what people call a leap of faith. Might actually just be a leap of stupidity that we dress yeah. up with religious terms and blame God for our own stupidity or short sightedness or ambition. So yeah, with the, with the whole leap of faith, uh, we're we're about baby steps of faith here. Like this this entre pastor thing isn't necessarily about taking some flying leap that's uh, you know sink or swim off of the dock. Like th- there's there's baby steps that we can take. Definitely action steps, nonetheless. But um, one thing I want to point out here, Les, I've heard this many times over from people who are wealthy, generally wealthy people did not get their wealth from one single stream of income. As a matter of fact, I've heard that the average millionaire has at least seven streams of income into their family, you know, into their life. And so I would contend that does not describe the average pastor in North America. The average pastor, A, is not a millionaire and, and also does not have... Seven streams of income. Most pastors probably have one stream of income that comes from their church, and so we are encouraging pastors to develop multiple streams of revenue, or at least you know more than one. And um, so that that's a starting point is just to breathe Mm -hmm. that in for a moment. That that's a good thing. That if you want to build wealth look at what are some other streams of revenue, and certainly that's what we're encouraging with our Entree Pastors platform. Uh, I would not encourage pastors to try to develop seven streams right away, right, Les? Like, there's probably wisdom in building those one at a time and giving some focus to those before we try to get seven new streams of revenue up and going, correct?
1: Absolutely. A, A common question that people ask me sometimes, John, is, well, I've got three ideas, So I just want your opinion. They'll say, which one of these ideas would it be better for me to lean or best for me to lean into? And, um, we can have that conversation, but the truth is they're probably going to thrive according to the amount of attention that you put on it. In Mm -hmm. other words, there's not, everybody wants to choose the one that would be best. Like, I don't want to choose plan C if plan A is the one that's going to bear the most fruit. Well, plant A may bear the most fruit because you're spending more time tilling it and watering it and putting fertilizer on it. Chances are that's the one that's going to bear fruit. So I just I, I don't think it's as, as important maybe to just uh, spend a lot of time toiling over making that right choice. We, we put air quotes up around right. As much as it is, man, focus on the one that either there's some momentum there, or a real love for something that would be fun to do, uh, something that would that would allow you to do it with the people or the person you want to do it with, and then pour gasoline on that thing to see what happens. And chances are, whatever you really put your focus and time and attention to that's probably the one that's going to thrive.
0: Yeah. And again, what we know from many in our community that are thriving and having multiple streams of revenue is it is possible to get to that place, but you're not going to get there overnight. And uh, and if you're comparing yourself just getting started on this Entree Pastor journey to someone who's been doing it for decades you're going to be discouraged and you're going to feel like you're doing it wrong or failing and maybe be tempted to try to take shortcuts. And well, they have four different businesses, so I'm going to launch four different businesses. You can, but just don't do it all at once. And, (laughs) and try to avoid this uh, ending up in a place where you're putting all of the pressure on one of these streams of revenue to produce, especially if it's brand new out of the gate. And maybe let's go down that road a little bit less and talk about what are some of the dangers Or maybe some of the consequences that come about when we say, look, this one thing needs to be the thing that provides for my family. We've got to get health insurance out of this. We've got to get groceries. We've got to cover our mortgage. Everything we need to survive needs to come from this thing. And oh, by the way, it's kind of brand new. Like we just started this. Why is that something we would advise our audience not to put that kind of pressure on that new startup?
1: Well, there's just so many factors and things that can happen that are out of your control, and it's not a—it's not even about um, whether we trust or don't trust the providence of God. God's going to provide; He He promised us that. But there are other factors involved as well. Um, Sometimes people can step in, and there's actually sin involved. Mm. And um, when that when that happens, it doesn't matter. You know, God can still work the good out of the sin, but there's some pretty bad stuff that can happen in the process. And it can happen to some, some innocent people that didn't have a a dog in the fight, you know? So in as much as it's on us, we can make some plans and provisions and have some contingencies. And I think one of the warnings here, John, is don't confuse consistency with security. Because I've heard people sometimes talk about the security of um, a regular paycheck, but sometimes it's consistency, but it's not complete security that could be gone in a heartbeat. You know, Uh, again, there are, we won't go into, we can go into some of them, but there are a lot of things that could happen that could affect a, a pastor's or anyone's one stream of income or one, check one one salary paycheck and it doesn't mean that there's anything malicious involved it's yep. just the world that we live in and things happen and and you can't uh, churches can't can't give also what they don't have yep so i would say don't confuse security with consistency sometimes it's just a consistent paycheck there's nothing really secure about it
0: yeah yeah Well, when you're just starting a business, though, that consistency is better than maybe the volatility that comes with a brand new startup business of, I agree, it doesn't necessarily mean it's security, but it's at least consistent, at least, you know, to whatever reasonable degree I can count on that versus this, you know, brand new startup business that, man, I don't know if there's going to be any clients this month. I don't know if there's going to be any customers that reach out or whatever the case may be, if we're going to get any jobs. So again the the danger in my mind of a pastor or anybody that's starting a new business and puts all of the weight on that new thing to to fund their lifestyle there it's it just it it changes the dynamic like now there's pressure that's a good word it it adds pressure mm-hmm. where maybe there need not be pressure if we recognize look this may take some time to build we're going to grow this thing but in the meantime, we're going to live within our means with what this other stream of income is providing. So again, at the, at Entree Pastors, we understand a big part of what we're trying to do, to be very blunt, is to help pastors get paid better, right? Like most pastors aren't just killing it financially with what they are getting through church alone. We want to help fix that. We want to help change that for them. But in many cases, it's going to be a journey. It's going to be a process. And so there needs to be a season where you're leaning into that day job, if you will, um, to fund where you're going and, and not to jump so quickly into this new thing that now you're feeling this pressure going, man, we're, we're overextending, we're buying stuff we can't afford, whether it's for the business or even for our family. um, Because in hopes of the day that this business produces, because the guy on the internet said that it would, you know what I mean? Like there needs to be some measured steps that we're taking as we're launching this thing so that we're not putting that kind of pressure on the business itself or, you know, unneeded pressure on our own mental health and our family in the process as we're on this entrepreneurial journey. Yeah,
1: you know, there are a couple of ways to do that too. You know, our mutual friend um, Nick Pavlidis was a very successful attorney who was uh, practiced in, I believe it was New York a little uh, while. And now he lives in the Boston area and Nick was very successful. A matter of fact, he, he never lost a case. And, um, but he, for lots of reasons that he's open about and shares with on his own podcast, he just knew that that was not the world for him long-term and for his, the health of his family. And so he began ghostwriting and now he's got a ghostwriting business and he's mentored me and some people that we know in that, in that uh, area. And he's got a great saying that he practiced when he, uh, when he left the, his, his law practice. And that was, you know, don't kill the golden goose until you have another golden goose. Yeah. And so he set some, um, some hard goals for, for himself that, uh, and, and he kind of put some mileposts out there that had to do with the number of clients that he would need and how much he would need to charge and, how much of the salary that he could replace. And he did it with integrity. He allowed his employer to know this. I don't know if that's always wise, but in his case, it's what he did. And they worked with him because they really, he he, he had, a, there was enough value there that he was bringing the firm that they were willing to work with him. And then at the point that he didn't feel like he could give them what they really were requiring, he left them and then, but but he, he had saved up enough where he could, but he wasn't quite, ready to go into ghostwriting full-time, and so he made a very generous offer to another uh, legal firm and joined them on a part-time basis for a while to supplement that ghostwriting income until the time that he could step away and basically repeat his in, uh, replace his income. Uh, there's another uh, lady that did something similar uh, in, the, in the legal field, but now she's, she's a copywriter She's a podcaster and she's a business coach and she many times over has replaced her salary. Her name is Anna powers and she replaced that. And she is real open about her story as well. So it's just a, it's a good model, but it takes some discipline to sit there and make a plan and then stick with it and say, you know, for five hours, I'm going to commit five hours to my new business this, this quarter. And next quarter I'm going to move. it. It's going to be eight hours. And then beginning of next year, I'm going to devote 12 hours to it. And then, you know, kind of have a sliding scale.
0: Yeah. You know, when I hear you say the term golden goose, I think for most of our audience, for pastors, very few would refer to their day job as a pastor, as the golden goose. <laughs> yeah. It may be more like a bronze <laughs> duck sure. or something like that. But I, yeah. I'll still, I'll still acknowledge your point a hundred percent. Like that makes a lot of sense. Um, and another author that I heard from years ago, John Acuff, he wrote, well, he's written several books, but one specifically was a book titled Quitter. And you might think by based on the title of that book that he's encouraging you to do what we romanticize in the entrepreneurial world, where that's, you know, you burn the ships, you take the, the flying leap of faith, and you quit your day job. But that's not what he recommends at all in his book Quitter. He actually says, use your day job. To fund your dream job, like instead of despising your day job and looking at it as this thing that's holding you back, see it instead as a thing that is paying some bills. it's allowing for me to you know have some measure of comfort financially while, I pursue this other dream, but here's maybe a caveat though for most of our audience, and again, we're gonna address maybe the the smaller percentage that would not uh, see themselves this way, but less the the unique thing about our audience is that most of them don't want to quit their day job at all like they still feel not only called to pastoral ministry they also like it you know and i think that's weird but i i get it because i've been in that space you know i get where once you're called to that man you just can't quit the church even if you aren't employed by a church like there's just something about it that you know you're always you're always a pastor you know to some degree even if you're out in the world doing something different so most of our audience would say John and Les, I don't want to quit my day job. I want to keep it. So that's really a good thing. What we're basically encouraging that audience is, man, don't put all this pressure on your new entrepreneurial startup to be the immediate provider you know, or source of income for your family. Like, Understand there's going to be time to, it's going to require some time to build this thing out and don't get frustrated in that process. I think something we see in, in much of our community from time to time, well, not not much of our community but from people many people within the community is that you can get discouraged in those early days of starting something right cuz it's maybe not getting the traction as fast as you hoped it would or thought it would or again the guy on the internet said you'd get all these results and you're finding it to actually be a little more work than what you might have thought or it's taking longer so all of that is okay when we realize look I'm I'm going to be all right like I don't have to have this thing provide in order for this thing to to ultimately work right i mean it's okay yeah, if this man. takes a little bit of time
1: that's a good word there i don't know of many feelings quite like that feeling of having that pressure where this has got to work if this client doesn't say yes if we don't make this sale then it's just not going to be good i'm i'm not going to be able to to, to pay a, a bill that needs to be paid, my mortgage, my insurance, whatever that tuition payment, whatever it might be. And there's nothing quite like the piece of being able to approach a conversation like that when you know that you really don't have to make the sale. Like it's just, it's more casual. It's more freeing. It's more, uh, it's more uh, authentic and it's, it's more generous, a conversation. And the ironic thing is it's picked up. You know, on it's discerned on the other end as well that that there's no pressure. This is not a pressure, high pressure sales or pitch. It's just here, here's an offer, here's what I do. And it's amazing how many times that more laid-back approach actually gets the the better results. And the last thing I would say or to that point would be just think, don't don't lose the image of that proverbial locomotive. That takes a lot of momentum and, and, or, or at least steam coal to kick, to get going those first few inches. It, it never needs more push than mm. those first few inches and then, and then feet and then yards. But once that thing gets rolling, just try to stop one. Yeah. And so there, there is a that, 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 um, the principle of that tipping point out there, it's different for everyone but it's not going to always take the same momentum as it or and energy and time and work later on as it does at the very start.
0: Yeah, that's so good. If if you think about it in the metaphor of like a baby, one of the coaches that I've listened to over the years refers to her business as baby and you know you've got to give baby what it needs. When you think about that image of a newborn baby, like there's never a time in that infant's life where they're going to require more time and attention than in those first early days, months, you know, years of that child's life. The older it gets, the the less attention, you understand what I'm saying? I'm not talking mm-hmm. about moral guidance and all of that, but just in terms of keeping this child alive. And it's it like you said, it's that idea that in the early startup, you're going to be there more is going to be required. And so to put, it's like putting pressure on that infant, like, man, we got to get you ready for high school football. Like, no, you've got a long time before they're out on the field doing high school football. Like right now they they need to be an infant and that's okay. And there's going to be a lot more work and attention required for that infant than that high school kid down the road. And so bringing that back into the, the business metaphor, we put, undue pressure on ourselves, on our business. And less to something you said earlier about, you know, you didn't use the word desperate, but that's what I heard. When when you're in that position of I am desperate for this to happen. I've got to make this sale, that neediness shows up. Uh it comes off in every transaction you have with people. You start seeing people more as dollar signs than as souls to be served. You start seeing people through the lens of what can they do for me in my bank account. Man, that's a that's not where we want to be as entrepreneurs. That's certainly not where we want to be as children of God who are on mission to introduce people to Christ. Like we want to be in a place where I don't need to make this sale. I'm here to serve. And if, if it's a good way for us to link up in this season and let me serve you like this, that's great. And if not, that's also okay. Uh, That's a whole different energy than someone who's showing up desperate for a sale. So to take that pressure off is really a good thing. Big
1: time. <clears throat> I've seen this happen both ways, John, on on the giving in and on the receiving. So there have been times where it, it was not in my budget at that time to invest anymore in any kind of courses or coaching or whatever. But a conversation opened up <clears throat> and someone had made a, a generous offer to just ha- ha- talk with me. Let me know what's going on. Where are you stuck? How, how can I help? That kind of thing. And so without any pressure, genuinely, without any pressure, had that conversation. Well, when the time came where I had a little bit of margin or, you know, had had uh, had had some resources that I could use to invest in myself in that area. Who do you think I'm going to go to mm-hmm. the person that's wearing me out and sending me emails to sell something or Facebook ads or the one that's just, just been given to me in a, in a genuine way. I've also seen it on the other end because that, that example was sh- shown to me. I've actually done that with people who told me upfront, man, I can't this, oh. I'm not, I can't invest anything, man. No problem. we just, let's just talk. But then when they were ready, then they're ready, yep. you know, yep. and it, and that is an absolute, what, what we're talking about happens and it happens all the time. I, you, again, it's not something that you can, can manufacture. I'm certainly not talking about being manipulative. It's got to be done in a genuine way, but it does happen.
0: Yeah. One, one last thing I want to address under this topic that comes to mind last, just again, today you and I were being interviewed for uh, a podcast podcast. On someone else's platform. And the subject came up kind of about, um, and it fits under this topic. It's the idea of if you're a pastor, say you've got your day job, but then you've got this entrepreneurial thing you're doing over here, where is it? Where do you cross a line as a pastor? That was kind of where we were being asked uh, down this road of, questioning of like, is it okay for a pastor who's being paid by a church to actually be building something over here on the side? So I just want to address that part of the day job, if you will, because again, we've got pastors who are employed by the church. In some cases, in many cases, it's considered full-time pay. Um, And so how do we encourage those pastors to stay faithful to that? And I keep using quotes around day job, right? Because I don't, you know what I mean when I say that. But how do we encourage them to stay faithful in that and to make sure that they're contributing in with integrity what is expected and, and what they're being compensated for, but then also on the other side to begin building this thriving business? So wh- how would you speak to that? Yeah, I would
1: say as much as you can early on, like during the course of time that you're dealing with the church leadership about calling you, or your team, if you're planning a church, and and your your role is going to be as teaching pastor or lead pastor or, or some role like that, the the more honest you can be up front, without getting down into the weeds of talking about things that really are not other people's business in terms of transactions and you know income and and all of that kind of thing. Just in general, what expectations are? I think that's the healthiest that you can. Uh, be in in that environment and um, you know to that point then there make sure that each party knows those expectations and for um, we talk about all the time Ephesians chapter 4 and how we our role as a as a pastor as a, as a minister is to equip the saints for the work of ministry well we're a saint too and so we never delegate to the point that we're just, you know, just a administrator either. But so I would say that I'll, I'll use your and my partnership as an example. All right. Um, I don't see a certain amount of time during the week as my time, and a certain amount of the week as the church's time. I'm I'm their pastor uh, at midnight, and I'm their pastor at eight o'clock in the morning. Okay. So that I don't just take that hat off. So, but, but there, I mean, I don't spend all 168 hours in the grind, rolling up my sleeves in sermon preparation or visiting or, you know, all the pastoral ministry stuff. So part of it is just to, to have the, um, the wisdom to plan out the week as much as I can ahead of time so that I protect some blocks of time to make sure that I'm providing the result that, that a lead pastor should be providing. I'm ready to lead, you know, staff meetings. I'm ready to uh, cast vision. I'm ready to preach on Sunday. So those are the things that they would th- but there are also things that, that come up where someone needs it needs their pastor there. Mm-hmm. And there are things that could be handled by a small group leader Or another team member, but there are some of those occasions where I just need to show up. So, as an example, just this week I texted you a little earlier and we've got podcast interviews and meetings and things like that lined up, but we've had a a death in the church family, and so that's going to require some visitation time to a funeral home and then, um, leading in a memorial service. Well, if that memorial service would have conflicted with the podcast interview that we have, it's, it's 11 o'clock in the morning. You know, the podcast interview is going to be led by you or rescheduled, Mm -hmm. you know, that may not always be the case, but if, if, if push comes to shove, there's a group of people that have stewarded you know their their offerings, their entires, their resources, to having somebody here that that handles those ministry related shepherding duties. And yeah. I don't duties is not a bad thing. Yeah. And so I need to be faithful to do those things.
0: Yeah. What I hear you saying, I'll just say it differently in my own mm-hmm. words, but really what I'm hearing you say is that you are producing the results for your church. You know and. And that's the bottom line. It's not that you're doing it in this 40 hour window, you know, cleanly eight to five, that you have some freedom. And that's really what I want our pastors to hear is that you have yeah. freedom to do both. I agree with you, Les. Whenever possible, the more of these things we can discuss on the front end, you know, as we we're starting out working for this church or in this relationship, the more of that understanding and those expectations we can have spelled out on the front end is a good thing. But what if I'm that pastor that is now after, you know, 20 years in this role, recognizing I need to do some things differently and my church isn't, they haven't got that memo yet, you know, and so I'm sitting here looking down the barrel of how do I navigate this? Again, my my challenge to you pastors, get out of this mindset that maybe others would like for you to be in, and that's their mindset of it is you're punching a time clock or in You're always on call. Like it never stops. You know, they you just belong to them 24-7. I reject that. I also reject this idea that ministry fits neatly into this 40-hour a week thing. Like it's a the calling is there, it never stops. But the results, as long as you're producing those results for your people, you're equipping, you're leading, you're feeding, you're available when when your people need something. And and I'm not just talking about when Gladys has a case of the gout and needs you to pray over a foot. I'm talking about like legitimate. We need a pastor here right now. My pastor needs to be in this moment. You and we all know the difference between the two. Like as long as yeah. you your church knows that, look, our pastor is putting he's he's producing the results. I, I think you're very okay to build something on the side. And if you're looking for permission, I'm giving it to you right now. Like go do that thing, and um, so it's possible to do a really good job in your day job and then let that fund your dream job. Start building this other thing on the side and do both at the same time. So, Les, in our backstage conversation, we're going to go ahead and talk to that pastor that might be out there that's going, Hey, John and Les, this has all been great, but I don't know that I want to keep my day job. I'm tired of being a pastor, and we want to talk to you in the backstage portion of our episode here. So... For those of you that have been listening, thanks so much for uh, taking the time to be with us and hang out with us this week. We're grateful for you and all that you're doing to serve the Lord and also to be an entrepreneurial pastor. We think that's a good thing. So thank you so much for being a part of this, Les. We enjoy when we hear from our listeners. We love when they give us a little rating and review. Go ahead and say something about that to our audience if you don't mind. and In- Invite mm-hmm. them to say nice things about us, Les.
1: Yes, only very nice things, yes. please, with a five-star review. Yes. So on whatever subscriber you listen to, man, that would really be helpful. Helps us get the word out. We can share those things. And uh, thank you most of all for spending the time to to listen.
0: Absolutely. God bless everyone. We look forward to hanging out with you next week. If there's anything we can do to be of service to you, check us out online, entrepastors.com. You can contact us through the website there, and we'd be happy to serve you in any way that uh, we possibly can. So have a great week, and we will see those of you that are backstage subscribers backstage real soon. Talk to you later.